You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Would you do me a favor and open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark chapter 2? Your Bible, the Bible that's there in the pew, and if you don't have a Bible, we always say this, that Bible that's there in the pew is yours as a gift. Take it. If you have someone in your life who needs one, take it. It's, it's for you if, uh, if the need is there. And you're going to open, if you're using that Bible in the pew, to page 683. Mark chapter 2, you're using the YouVersion Bible app. You follow the instructions that are there. It'll take you right to our scripture. As you're getting there... If you've been with us for a while, in these last few months, last year, we've embraced a new vision as our community here at Grace, a new vision as we seek to witness and serve the wider community of Orange County, and it's for everyone everywhere to flourish in Christ. And over the course of these months, as we've unveiled this vision and the mission that goes with it, we've been trying to take that apart of what does it mean biblically to flourish, and over these last few weeks, We've been learning about the kind of life for which we were made, flourishing in a very particular way. Specifically, we've been exploring the deeper meaning and the ongoing purpose of what is known as the observance of the Sabbath, a regular rhythm of resting in the midst of all of our work. This week, we bring that conversation to a close, and what we're going to do today, which I've announced the last couple of weeks, is I'm going to answer some of your lingering questions about this biblical rhythm and rule of life. But before we get there, let's read one more scripture related to the Sabbath that will, I think, center our conversation this morning. It's on the screen, but hopefully it's also there in your Bible. Let's hear it. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He, Jesus, answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abnathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he gave some also to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the key declarations that Jesus makes here, I hope, frames our whole consideration of the Sabbath. And it's this, that the Sabbath was made for us. We are not made for the Sabbath. And that leads us into our first question. And I should tell you, all of these questions come from questions that were submitted. I was blown away by how many questions I got. There's no way that I'm going to be able to answer all of them this morning. Uh, Some of them kind of related to each other, so I consolidated. But for those of you who submitted a question, if I didn't answer it this morning, if I communicated to you through email or text, I'm happy to follow up, meet with you one-on-one, or talk to you to answer it if you don't feel satisfied in terms of what I give you this morning. So the very first question, and these kind of build on each other, is can the Sabbath be on different days and or a combination of days of delight? 
And we started with this passage because here, you heard it, Jesus teaches us the Sabbath is not inherently about what we can't do. Rather, the Sabbath is about what we are invited to experience. In other words, to answer this question, setting aside a regular time and space for our rest was not created, Jesus says, to bind us to a ritual, but rather to lead us into a blessing. So in answering this question, we need to understand we have some flexibility when we talk about the Sabbath. Because here's something very interesting. While God outlines a particular rhythm in terms of our rest, and we've looked at that, one day in every seven days, the specific day of this rest is not spelled out for us. Jewish tradition determined Friday evening to Saturday afternoon, early evening, was the Sabbath. Later, Christians moved it to Sunday in celebration of the resurrection of Christ. But nowhere does the scripture explicitly designate the specific day for keeping the Sabbath. So what I want to say to you is as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't view the Sabbath as another another obligation we have to manage, another burden we have to carry. We need to see instead the Sabbath as a prescription for rest that God calls us to arrange our lives around, yes, but to arrange our lives around in a way that fits the ever-changing seasons and stages of life that are before us. So when you think about this idea of rest, of the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath will require varying rhythms, times, and implementation for each person. And here's one, one more. It will likely change how you do this as you move through life. I mean, if we think about it, there's no doubt young families will inevitably enter into this practice differently than those with, say, teenagers. Single people will incorporate and practice rhythms of connection and intimacy that may differ from those who are, say, married. Retired, empty nesters will get to explore and experiment with greater flexibility than those who are working 40-plus hours a week. And as many of you have said to me during this series, if you are engaged in shift work on Sundays, and some of us have to work on Sundays, you may have to allocate a different day for your Sabbath time. Several of you asked me, well, when do you take Sabbath? Implying that obviously if I'm here, I'm working. (laughs) Which in a way is true. I mean, I I see it as work, but there's another part of me that doesn't see it as work. But in answer to the question, I don't take my Sabbath on Sunday. I take my Sabbath on Friday. Friday's my day for rest, for renewal, for that one-on-one time and trying to share that with family and friends with the Lord. And I'm not, and again, in this whole sermon series, before I even go on, I want to make something really, really clear. This is a growth edge for me as much as it may be for you. I am not standing up here as the Sabbath expert, you know, (laughs) not at all. This is something I continue to try to live into, and I've had more fruitful seasons in my life than others. And and I, I fully appreciate the various things that happen in our lives that can make this practice difficult for us or challenging for us to observe. So what I'm leaving you with in answering to this question is what matters is not the day we rest, but rather that we rest, that we consistently stop once a week for an extended period of time, free from work and other distractions to abide, to delight in the Lord's presence and provision. Related to that, second question. What does the Bible have to say about daily rest? And I absolutely love this question because it speaks to what I perceive the Lord's deeper intention in both creating and commanding us to observe a single day of rest once a week is all about. So 
to answer this question and then explain it, to, to be really clear, I've already laid out for you, God's purpose in having us keep the Sabbath is not about, not about resting on a specific day. We just established that. But it's not even just about resting one day a week. The whole point of this practice, of this rhythm, this mandate that God gives us is not about the Sabbath as a day. It's about developing and practicing a Sabbath mentality. In other words, the point is not for us to go off and do our own thing for six days of the week, to go off and do our own thing, our things our way for six days, and then come home and visit with the Lord. Our creator's desire, and this is found throughout all of scripture, is not not just for us to stop by now and then, but rather, as the next slide will show you, to be still. And know that I am God. This is from Psalm 46, as you can see. And if you go and look at this psalm, these words, this posture, is not in reference to the observance of the Sabbath. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Beautiful psalm, Psalm 91. And again, this is not a Sabbath-specific psalm. That word dwell that I've highlighted for you, it comes up a lot in the Bible in terms of our relation to God. And this word dwell denotes a fixed position, not something that occurs sporadically. And that's why, and many of you have really struggled with this, and I appreciate your honesty, that's why the reframe of the practice of the Sabbath, and what you've struggled with, as I've said to you, the Sabbath is about learning to rest in order to work versus working in order to rest. And this is why that reframe is so crucial. Understanding Sabbath is about resting in order to work rather than working in order to rest. The thing is, we are called to fully abide, to stop and to just delight and be renewed and rooted in our relationship with Christ through the Holy Spirit once a week so that we will live out of the Spirit's presence, power, and influence all week long. The intention of that day of rest is to reorient how we work so that we don't just exhaust ourselves, pushing ourselves past our limits so that we come into the Sabbath running on fumes. You're kind of missing the point if you just sort of drop dead on the Sabbath, right? Instead, by resting in order to work, we're intended to rest as we work. Let me say that again. The practice of resting in order to work is designed to help us to learn how to rest as we work, to stop and smell the roses, to notice the sunrises and the sunsets, to get to know and enjoy the people we work with, to make time for and not miss miss those precious moments in the lives of our family, our friends, our children that don't always fall on the weekend, that don't always fall on the day we choose to rest. What I'm trying to say, guys, is God didn't just design us to live, to flourish, to experience and relish this world, each other, our own existence once every seven days, but God designed us to have this experience every day of our lives. And the practice of Sabbath once a week teaches us how to experience a restful and delightful pace of life the other six days. That takes us to our third question. Is Sabbath geared towards using the space to acknowledge what God is doing or using the space for what an individual enjoys? Or as another question put it, if we go to the next slide, much more simply, 
Is Sabbath just a fancy word for having my free time? The answer to the first question on the previous slide is yes, it's both. And as to the second question, this one, the answer is no. Sabbath is not my free time in the sense of what we typically mean by free time. And let me explain what I mean by clarifying the distinction between biblical rest, as we've been looking at it these last few weeks, the distinction between biblical rest and modern leisure. We think and speak of leisure, that word leisure, as time free from work and other obligations. And at first, just this bare bones definition, that seems to line up with the whole point of the Sabbath as we've talked about it. However, what I want to point out to you, a contemporary understanding of leisure is about consumption rather than resting. It's about consuming rather than resting. Another way of putting this is modern leisure is more about being entertained, titillated, rather than renewed and restored. From theme parks to escape rooms, from rock concerts to party cruises, from cyber gaming to outdoor excursions, each activity becomes something we consume for a momentary thrill to escape the monotony. And when one experience loses its luster, we just move on to the next one. And the net result is rather than leisure being a restful space from which we can survey all the other stuff in our life, leisure has become just another activity in our already overcommitted schedules. And the best evidence of this is the fact we don't engage in leisure to reflect on our work as much as we engage in leisure to escape from our work. Monday morning comes and we're still exhausted and scattered, but we had a good time. Now, I want to be really clear. I go to concerts. I like theme parks. I've not been to an escape room yet, but I want to go, okay? My point is not to condemn our varied activities in which we engage and spend our spare time. Many, if not all of these activities are good. They're enjoyable. They're fun. What I'm trying to say to you is in and of themselves, they are not necessarily Sabbath-oriented. They're not necessarily restful as God intended. Whereas most of us view leisure as discretionary time, right? It's my discretionary time, time to be used according to my own judgment or choice. The Lord, and we've looked at this, designates a couple of guidelines in terms of Sabbath time. The Lord gives us a couple of guidelines in terms of how we rest. First, God desires that we should enjoy and delight in our Sabbath time. But whatever we're engaging in should be life-giving rather than life-taking, filling us up rather than draining us further. In other words, Sabbath isn't just about physical rest, but about inner renewal as well. And second, Sabbath isn't just about me time as much as it's about we time. God seeks to join us. This is the whole point. God seeks to join us in whatever we engage in. God wants us, as we talked about last week, to be mindful of his presence with us, as well as giving him, in the midst of whatever we're doing, the center of our attention. God wants to be at the center of our attention in the midst of what we enjoy. Think about this. Imagine if you invited someone, right? Imagine if you invited someone to join you in an activity. I'm not a surfer, but let's say you invited someone to go surfing. 
But imagine when you invited them to go surfing, you never spoke to them or interacted with them the whole time. I mean, it would be weird, right? It would be awkward. God wants to be acknowledged, to be at the center, wants to be a part of the enjoyment of whatever it is that gives us life, that gives rather than takes life. And the thing is, I know many of us are like, oh man, part of why we sometimes just want to get away is we just want to be by ourselves. But the beautiful thing about God is God is not a needy partner, right? God is a giving partner. Sometimes we don't invite people along because we're going to have to worry about them. Are they okay? And are they going to talk the whole time? Or am I going to, are they going to distract? God's not like that. God's not going to need anything from us. God's just going to give to us. The thing is, God wants to go with you because Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. And Jesus isn't going to be one of those people. Sometimes we don't want to invite people along because they're going to be like, "Um, how much longer are we going to be doing this? Um, Is this almost done? Can we go home now? But as we saw last week, Jesus is in no rush. Jesus will give you all the space and all the time you need. He just wants to be with you. And the Spirit, the Spirit speaks only when necessary. And the Spirit isn't someone who kind of takes away from the experience. Sometimes, again, and this happens, people don't really get it. They're not in the same zone. The Spirit always enhances the experience. God wants to be present. He is present, but wants us to acknowledge his presence, to engage his presence. And third, when God talks about this time of rest, whatever we're engaging with along with the Lord, there needs to be in whatever that is space to listen, to reflect, to process whatever the Lord shows us or tells us. Remember, the Sabbath is about abiding in God's provision, God's protection, God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's compassion, God's patience, God's love. So we go to something we enjoy, something that gives us life, something we can delight in. We invite God into it. We acknowledge that God is present. And God in the midst of that will speak to us. God will show us. God will remind us. And we, part of what we're savoring in that delight is this, this is a tangible expression. It's almost communion-like in a way. It's incarnational. It's tangible that in the midst of this thing that we're enjoying, that God is at the heart of, we're mindful of something deeper, something bigger, God's provision, God's protection. God's love, God's grace. Another way of saying all this is the Sabbath is about worship. The Sabbath is about worship. It's about acknowledging. It's about honoring. It's about glorifying God in whatever we're about. And I know for many of us, we hear worship and we think work. But again, I think that at times we're so overworked that that's that's distorted our understanding of worship. Worship need not be work. Worship, abiding, dwelling in Christ's presence in the Spirit's direction is meant to be not work. It's meant to be our source of strength, our fount of wisdom, the well from which we draw patience, courage, etc. Worship is not supposed to be work. Worship is not supposed to be life-taking. Worship is supposed to be life-giving. But the thing is, in all the different ways that we worship, if you're just going through the motions of worship, if you're just singing, if you're just praying, if you're just listening to scripture, if you're just receiving communion like they are tasks to be, to be performed, check, check the box, then you're not entering into the space of worship. You're not entering into relationship with the object of our worship, the one who is our Sabbath rest incarnate. Jesus Christ. You see, when we worship in the spirit, 
When our recreation centers on the person of Christ, we experience more than just entertainment. Sabbath is not about entertainment. Sabbath is not just about entertainment. And and then again, a way that this is sort of warped even the worship experience, and many of you will say this when you church shop, I go to a church where I'll get fed. That's consumerist talk. That's, I want a worship experience that's gonna entertain me, that's gonna titillate me, that's gonna satisfy me. If you enter into Sabbath, you're gonna see worship in a whole other way because it's not about entertainment, it's not about getting fed. It's it's about experiencing true rest from the weight of sin. It's about experiencing rest from care and worry. It's about experiencing rest from the load of daily anxiety and fear. It's about rest that doesn't just recharge our batteries. Don't make the Sabbath. Don't make worship about just recharging your batteries. That sounds great, but that is so just the bare minimum. God doesn't want to just recharge your batteries. You are not the Energizer Bunny. God wants to redeem your body. God wants to redeem your body. God wants to restore your soul. God wants to resurrect your spirit. You are more than a battery to be recharged. You are a body. You are a mind. You are a spirit that God wants to redeem. God wants to restore. God wants to resurrect. That's why it's not just about me time, but it's about we time. That takes us to our next question, a really good one too. Is volunteering time on the Sabbath considered as work or as a charity slash donation? Now, again, previously in this series, we learned Sabbath, amongst other things, is about the extension of mercy and justice to others. In the Gospels, more than once, Jesus clearly articulates Sabbath rest is not merely about a physical need or an individual necessity. It's also about caring for our neighbor. And yet, despite the fact that Jesus says this over and over again, if you've read the Gospels, you remember that Jesus continues to be repeatedly questioned about healing on the Sabbath. And the implied issue in the repeated questioning is this. Why couldn't Jesus wait to do such work on another day, any other day than the Sabbath. I mean, if you go and you stop, and it's it's interesting if you think about it, none of the, with rare exception, none of the healings that Jesus does on the Sabbath are like emergencies. The people that Jesus heals have been living that way for a long time. And so the religious leaders are going, this is cool and all, but couldn't you just wait till tomorrow? Did you have to do this on the Sabbath? And that's the essence of the question that's being asked here. Is it permissible to volunteer one's time on our Sabbath, or should we volunteer on another day instead? What Jesus makes abundantly clear to answer this question is that it is not only good, but that it is right for his followers to seek doing good even when, and I would say especially when, we rest. Goodness. Again, Rooting oneself in the goodness of God is what Sabbath rest is all about. But we shouldn't hoard that goodness for ourselves. We ought to share the goodness of God with others. And that is why another distinctive aspect of the Sabbath of how God calls us to rest is that God calls us to rest not in isolation, not by ourselves, but to rest in community. We are to rest. 
We are to delight. We are to worship together. Now, I know for some of us who are more introverted or some of us who are just, you know, maxed out, this doesn't mean you can't have any time for yourself. It doesn't mean it can't, you can't have moments of just you and the Lord. What's being said here, what it, this means is you shouldn't spend your whole Sabbath alone. You shouldn't spend it alone because otherwise your rest is liable to become self-indulgent and self-serving rather than recognizing our experience of the love of God and God's love for us is inseparable from our love of neighbor and God's love for them. I don't know if you've caught this. We're, a couple of weeks back, we were in this series, we looked at um, the Ten Commandments. And what I, I don't know if you noticed, because I didn't mention it, is that when God outlines his top ten rules for life to the people of Israel... The Sabbath command, and you ought to go look at this, serves as the transition between the laws about the people's relationship with God and the laws about their relationship with their family and with their community. In other words, observing the Sabbath is the bridge from love of God to love of neighbor. Extending the goodness of God to others, breaking a sweat by being generous, by lending a hand, by inviting others to a meal, by taking the time to listen and to offer encouragement or support, breaking a sweat by meeting a basic need of a person isn't violating God's prohibition against work on the Sabbath. It's entering into the spirit of the Sabbath by dwelling, there's that word again, and thus reflecting the goodness of God, the character of Christ to others. This question's a doozy, this next one. Every time I spend some time resting, I'm I've been told that I'm lazy and that I'm wasting my time. How do I go ahead and rest without feeling this way? <sighs> any, any amens in here? Anybody want to change that too? Every time I try to rest, I tell myself I'm lazy and I'm wasting my time, right? I, I resonate with this in my own learning this practice, engaging this practice, that is probably my biggest struggle. I am hardwired and conditioned that if I'm not doing, then it's not, then nothing's happening. And here's the thing, if you relate to this. In a culture, and we live in such a culture that rewards overachieving and busyness, many of us struggle to see the value in slowing down. One of the biggest obstacles to Sabbath rest is the false idea we, that we have, this false idea that we have that every moment must count for something. Every moment must count for something. We want to live life to the fullest. And this means that our every waking moment must be producing or consuming something tangible. Otherwise, we are wasting our time. This is back to when we talked about leisure, why leisure has become activity, activity, activity. This is why some of us, when we go on vacation, we get to the place that we rented and we don't stay there very long except to sleep because we're going, going, going. Because that equates to value. But what lies behind this mindset in all of its forms is this belief that we are in control. In fact, 
that we control time. And to, to underscore this point, as the next slide will show you, to underscore this point, consider the increased emphasis and even modern it's obsession we have with time management. Sorry, I'm going to out you. How many of you are time management people? Raise your hand. Like you're time, come on, you time management people. Big. How many of you are like disciples of time management? Come on. All right. We are conditioned to make every minute count. There are entire programs, plans, and routines that are marketed and sold to us in order to calculate and maximize every hour, minute, and second with meaningless precision. We have become transfixed by measurable objectives. We classify and we count everything. Goals, results, goals, results, goals, results. Now, don't get me wrong. Time management as a tool to be productive, time management as a way to avoid sloth is helpful and constructive. But this is what I'm pointing to. When time has become a quantity, when time has become a quantity, when time becomes about how much we can get done, rather than time being a quality, time as a quality means in which being all we can be in whatever we're doing is the goal. When time becomes a quantity rather than a quality, that's when time management becomes not only an idol, but time management becomes an illusion. Because late breaking news flash, time is not something we control despite our very best efforts. Time is a gift. Time is an opportunity. It's not an opportunity to earn more time. That's time as money. That's time as a commodity. Time as a gift is an opportunity to experience life, to recognize that there is purpose, there is blessing, there is gift, there is enjoyment in the ordinary, that everything need not be extraordinary, that in fact we miss a lot of subtle, beautiful, and worthwhile experiences as we rush from one moment to the next in the name of productivity. You see, it's in the seeming uselessness of the Sabbath. That's what makes it so spiritually significant to us. Another way to say this, and this is important that you don't walk away from this series and hear this, the Sabbath isn't primarily about increased productivity. If you've heard this sermon series this whole week and said, God's rhythm and rule of rest is about me being more productive, that's why I should rest, so I can increase my productivity, you've missed the point. Increased productivity may be a benefit, but it's not the point of why creates this rhythm, why God sets this rule to rest. The stillness of Sabbath rest is about an inner quietness, stopping all of our striving and our shoving and realizing the world still manages to go on without us. It's true. Right now, the world is still going on without you. When we rest, 
as God intended, it's not lazy. It's not, as I've said many times, doing nothing. Make no mistake, when we rest as God intended, it is an intentional, it is a purposeful shift from being self-reliant to acknowledging we are utterly dependent upon our creator for anything and everything we do. And that takes effort. Trust me, because we are predisposed to think we are in control. We are predisposed to believe it's all about us. To intentionally, purposefully enter into a time and a space where we shift that perspective, where we actually see reality, is not doing nothing. It's not lazy. And even though no tangible thing may be produced or consumed while we rest in the Lord, Sabbath is not wasting time. It's benefiting from the time we have been given. It's realizing that time is not something we control, but that time is a gift. I would say Sabbath rest is the best use of the time we have because instead of trying to manage what isn't ours to control or to try to acquire what is not ours to take, Sabbath has us exist in a state of humble and grateful acceptance of what we have been given. The Sabbath in refraining from all of our work affords us the time and space to find the meaning in all of our work to find the meaning in all of our work. We're reminded in that Sabbath time and space we don't have to live and that we don't live under the tyranny of an angry taskmaster of a God. And in reminding ourselves that we don't live under the tyranny of an angry taskmaster of a God, we don't have to work for one And we don't have to be one in how we engage others. If you still can't get past this cultural conditioning, and I know I struggle, this cultural conditioning about work, consider the Lord's counsel to us about the Sabbath via the practical example of training for a marathon. Truth be told, I've never run a marathon. Okay? But I I, I once was acquainted with a marathon runner who shared with this, me, with this with me and it's always stayed with me and this applies not just to running a marathon but really all athletic training from what I understand. But here it is. When you train for a marathon, your body not only needs to be pushed to its limits but it also needs a period of recovery. So as you train for a marathon, you push and you push and you push and then you stop so that your body can recover even more specifically, so that your muscles can rebuild. In other words, if you're hearing this, in order to actually properly run a marathon, successfully run a marathon, you have to have spaces in your training where you do not run. And I think this is a really great example because one of the images in Scripture, Paul uses it to describe the picture of our life on this earth. You might remember it as that of a race. So to put this together, in order to run the marathon of our faith in Christ, we have to allow ourselves spaces of rest so that we can spiritually recover, so that the muscles of our faith can be rebuilt and grow stronger and more mature. And many of you have confessed, and I appreciate your honesty and your courage, that some of you are struggling with, frankly, a very undeveloped, unfully formed faith. 
And I am going to suggest to you that one of the primary reasons why your faith does not have depth, why your faith at times for you doesn't seem to take you the distance is because you're not resting in the Lord. Because you are not letting your faith be strengthened. You're not letting the muscles of your faith be rebuilt. And that can't come from more work. That can't come from more doing. That only comes from abiding, from dwelling in God's presence, God's provision, his love, his grace, his truth. Resting, abiding in the Lord is the only way to move through the intensity of life without letting it become the definition of life. That takes us to our next question, which is very similar but different. How can we engage with or enter into the Sabbath during a life stage where God is directing us to go, to do, or act? And building off the answer to the last question, again, I want to remind you, God didn't design and doesn't direct us to rest only when we finished what he's called us to do. The Lord calling us to act doesn't negate the reality that we still need to rest to regularly abide in him as we seek to accomplish what he's directed us towards. And Jesus models this for us so well, right? Jesus is clear throughout the Gospels. He only does what his father tells him to do. He says that over and over again. I only do what my father tells me to do. And Jesus, let's be honest, did a lot of work in three years. A lot of work in three years. But one thing in the midst of that truth that we witness repeatedly in the gospel is Jesus taking time to go off to a quiet place with his father. Jesus frequently stops along the way of any given day to enjoy the company of his disciples, to share a conversation with a woman at a well, to have a spontaneous meal at the home of a tax collector named Zacchaeus who was spying on him up from up in a tree. What I'm saying is, is it's important to remember resting in God is part of and not separate from the call of God. Another way of expressing this that is helpful to me is to think about how music works, particularly how it's expressed on paper. When we look at a piece of sheet music, if you've ever looked at a piece of sheet music, we don't just see a bunch of musical notes. We also see symbols there at the bottom that indicate rests, rest notes, A rest note, if you're not wired this way, don't know this, a rest note on music is an interval of silence within a piece of music. A rest note creates a deliberate pause, a temporary break, if you will, in the action. And although when we're hearing music, it's often bypassed by us, we don't even recognize the rest notes, rest notes are a vital part of a musical structure. Rest notes, to help you with this, keep the other notes from stringing together in a breathless, chaotic way. When rests are observed in a piece of music, something beautiful to our ear results. When the rests are ignored or skipped, what we hear doesn't sound good. The rests, the Sabbaths, are just as much a part of our work as every note Every task, every word, every assignment, every conversation, every lesson, every case, every event, every opportunity, every project, every duty, every commitment, every call, every deadline, the rests are just as much a part of the work as the music. Whenever God calls us, 
It's not the excellent work and the Sabbath. Sabbath rest is part of making our work for the Lord excellent and beautiful. Final question, great question. What do you think Sabbath will look like in 10 years as technology evolves? Society will most likely be moving at a faster pace than it already is. (laughs) I'm going to answer this question by way of going in the past. In 1931, the famed British economist John Maynard Keynes wrote something titled Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren. 1931, British economist, economic possibilities for our grandchildren. Keynes speculated on how the world would be a century later. Himself, in 1931, living in an age of considerable economic progress and technological advances, Keynes had already witnessed a reduction in the work hours of his generation. And looking to the future, he was convinced this trend would continue. Therefore, by 2028... Keynes predicted people would work about three hours a day. It gets better. In fact, for Keynes, even this reduced work schedule would represent more labor than was actually necessary. The net result of this imagined future was the question of what people would do with all of their free time. This is the specific quote that always stayed with me from Keynes. For the first time, this is looking to the future, 2028 people, for the first time since his creation, man will be faced with his real, his permanent problem, how to use his freedom from pressing economic cares, how to occupy the leisure which science and compound interest will have won. Well, we're not at 2028 yet. But one thing we can say is Keynes was spot on about his prediction of future economic progress and rising technological advancement. As to the decreased workload of humanity, not so much. To answer this question, I don't know what the future is going to be like. But from past history, here's what I can tell you. I know no matter how much better things get economically or technologically, the need for practicing Sabbath will not change. And how we practice it really shouldn't have to change much. Anyway, intentionally slowing down, purposefully stopping, consciously focusing upon and completely yielding before the creator of all life, our sustainer and redeemer, isn't a matter of a more efficient economy or better technology. It is a matter of the human will of honoring the cues the Lord has instilled within all creation, including our bodies, or ignoring them. It's respecting the instructions God has laid out for us through his word or convincing ourselves these words don't apply to us. It's following the prompting of the Holy Spirit to cease and desist from all our doing and to spend some time just being or turning up the volume and the pace of our lives so we can't hear the Spirit speaking to us. My friends, what I can tell you is the path to the Sabbath will always be a contested path. The enemy knows keeping the Sabbath, resting, abiding in the Lord will reorient our perspective and our priorities. 
Therefore, the enemy will distract us with the tyranny of the urgent. The enemy will stoke our pride with the illusion of control and the lie of our identity being in our productivity and achievement. Corey Tent Boom, the missionary, once said it best. If the devil can't make us bad, the devil will make us busy. Keeping the Sabbath requires intentional planning. You won't find the time unless you observe the time God has already given us to rest. And as with anything else, your space and time of rest needs to be scheduled. I recommend scheduling your Sabbath at least a week in advance in order to keep with that rhythm of one day in seven. And the beautiful thing about putting it on your calendar is putting it on your calendar helps you to prepare for it. And this is an important part of enjoying a full and complete Sabbath day each time each week is you need to make a list of the things you need to take care of before your Sabbath day so you can truly step away and rest. Putting the Sabbath, your Sabbath time on your calendar will also lead to you anticipating it, getting excited about it and looking forward to it. And anticipation, honestly, is the key to making Sabbath happen because it's something that you look forward to. But I want to just, as I close, say this to you in the midst of everything you've heard and everything I know many of you are still processing. Start small. Start small. Be patient with yourself in entering into a whole new rhythm a whole new mindset, a whole new practice. Be patient with yourself and remember that as patient, as much as you lack patience with yourself or others may lack patience with you, God's patience is infinitely greater, as is his grace. And remember, the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath is not about observing a law. It's about entering into a relationship, a relationship with the God who in Christ knows you better than you know yourself, a relationship with the God who in Christ desires for us to blossom into our best, the best expressions of our humanity rather than to be enslaved by the tyranny of accomplishment, achievement, and success. It's about a relationship with the God who in Christ promises to give us all the love, all the grace, all the strength, and the wisdom we need to experience a way of living where we don't have to fight for each breath where we aren't just trying to survive on pure adrenaline. Imagine what your life would look like. Imagine what the world would look like if you, me, we got the rest we needed. We would become more awake to life and to the people with whom we live. We would discover increased energy to be generous, to be grateful, to be encouraging, we would find lasting peace, comfort, and assurance in Christ, contentment with ourselves, and patience with others. Imagine. But we don't have to imagine this kind of life. We don't have to imagine it. We just have to step. We just have to stop once in a while and experience it by resting, by abiding in the Sabbath by dwelling in the freedom, the forgiveness, the promise, the justice, the mercy, the assurance of the living presence of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.